0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Chinese Communist Party. Made, partly, in Japan. One underappreciated aspect of the Chinese Communist Party's history, particularly its early history, is how much of it was influenced by Japan. Written by John D. Van Fleet. Published by China. Read for you by John D. Van Fleet. For decades now, the Chinese Communist Party (CCP) has celebrated its founding on July 1st, primarily because the precise dates and locations and attendees at the actual founding meetings in July 1921 aren't entirely settled. But they did occur, first in what's now the Di District of Shanghai, and then, as the attendees feared discovery by spies or the police on a boat, on a lake, in neighboring Zhejiang province. There is one aspect of the founding and development of the party that isn't in doubt, though it's rather less known. In China's War with Japan, published in 2013, renowned China scholar and Oxford professor Rana Mitter reminds us that, quote, for good or evil, a large proportion of the history of 20th century China was made in Japan, End quote. And while the party's official history says, quote, after the October socialist revolution in Soviet Union led by Lenin was victorious in 1917, Marxism spread to China, end quote. That antedates the exposure of thousands of Chinese intellectuals to Marxism and their importation of it into China, mostly via Japan, by at least a decade. Mitter could easily revise his claim to be about the history of the party itself, most of the CCP's founders, the education they boasted and the very language they used in establishing and developing the CCP, were influenced by Japan. Go East, young men and women. Between 1895 and 1905, Japan shocked the world, twice. China's distress at losing the First Sino-Japanese War, 1894-1895, to 1895, to a polity that had long been little more than a vassal state, was profound. But Japan's victory in the Russo-Japanese War, 1904-1905, to 1905, was a tectonic shock to the entire world. Never before had an Asian state stood up to a European power and remained standing. Japan, therefore, became a paradigm for a modernizing Asian power, and Chinese intellectuals, witnessing the drawn-out demise of the Qing dynasty, Many were eager to hasten the demise. And the consequent prostration of the country in the face of Western aggression were increasingly eager to learn from a country that had not only modernized but resolutely thwarted Imperial Russia's East Asian ambitions. And Japan was just a few days' boat ride to the East. The result was what the late Harvard scholar Ezra Vogel, in his final opus, 2020's China and Japan, called Quote, the first large scale study abroad program anywhere in the world. End quote. Nearly 30,000 Chinese had studied in Japan by the advent of the First World War, and half again that amount would do so in the following two decades. They learned more than modernizing techniques and tactics. One of the Chinese intellectuals of the era, Liang Qichao, spent years in Japan, first in exile after the failed Hundred Days Reform of 1898. Had he not escaped from China, he would have been executed. Years later, at Tokyo's famous Ueno station, Liang saw families sending sons off to the war with Russia. He noted in particular a large banner displaying, Grant Death in Battle, and wrote, quote, On seeing this, I was astonished and respectful and unable to put it out of my mind. In Japan and China, From War to Peace, 1894-1972, to 1972, Whence this English translation of Liang's words. Scholar Marius Jansen asserts that, quote, the student movement, in Japan, thus served as a breeding ground for Chinese nationalism. Of the 13 men who attended the inaugural CCP meetings in July 1921, four had lengthy study periods in Japan, as did the two acknowledged founders of the party, Chen Dushu and Li Dajiao. Neither Chen nor Li attended the July meetings. They sent proxies, but both were well-known, as was Liang, for introducing words and concepts from the West to Chinese readers via the Japanese translations they'd immersed themselves in. One of the attendees, Yang Changji, served as Mao Zedong's teacher at Hunan First Normal University, after Yang's own years in Japan, becoming a primary inspiration for the young Mao's high regard for the island nation to the East. In... From the Ruins of Empire, Pankaj Mishra states that Mao, quote, learned about the full scale of China's degradation at the hands of the West from a teacher who had studied in Japan, End quote. Yang also introduced Mao to the seminal New Youth, a publication launched by Cheng Dushu and based substantially on Chen's learnings from Japan and Japanese. Li Dajiao, a Peking University librarian at the time, to whom Mao had become an assistant, and Yang's daughter, Yang Kaihui, who would become Mao's second wife. For a biographical article about Yang in the journal Modern China in 2006, Georgetown College professor, Lian Liu, chose an entirely justified title, The Man Who Molded Mao, Yang Changji and the First Generation of Chinese Communists. Lu Xun and Guo Moro, two other leading literary figures of the age, who had also studied in Japan for years, joined Chen and Li and Liang in using Japanese neologisms in their Chinese writing. Lu Xun was among the more eager to jettison Confucianism and even the Chinese script. He exhorted his country folk, quote, to never read Chinese books, to emulate Western modernity through Japan, end quote. In perhaps his most famous work, 1898's Exhortation to Study. Top Qing official Zhang Jidong wrote, Japan is nearby and inexpensive for travel so that many can go. It is close to China and students will not forget their country. Japanese writing is similar to Chinese and it can be translated easily and Western learning is extremely varied and the Japanese have already selected its essentials. Translation from Jansen. Zhang therefore suggested that learning about the world through Japanese produced twice the result with half the effort. Round-trip words. Given these historical phenomena, it's no surprise that a tsunami of Japanese neologisms entered Chinese from the late 19th century. The leading intellectuals mentioned above, and thousands of others, leveraged not only what they learned from Japan, but Japanese vocabulary and phrases to help communicate what they considered existentially important for China's progress. A Chinese counselor at the embassy in Tokyo, Huang Junxian, published a quite popular collection of poems in the late 1870s, Poems on Miscellaneous Subjects from Japan, which introduced many Japanese neologisms to Chinese readers. Among the long list, Yi Yuan giyin in Japanese, literally, discussion hall, but meaning parliament, and Jengdang, seito in Japanese, meaning political party. Japan's first political parties appeared at about that time, followed ten years later by the creation of the Diet, Japan's parliament. China was still a few decades away from either. In poems on miscellaneous subjects from Japan, Huang also gains credit as being the first Chinese to use wunming, as a term for civilization, borrowing from Fukuzawa Yukichi's Outline of a Theory of Civilization, published in 1875. Zhang's exhortation to study also owes a profound debt to Fukuzawa, often referred to as Japan's Benjamin Franklin, whose 17 volume On Learning was published 25 years previously. On Learning had an enormous effect on Japan's modernization in the late 19th century. And Fukuzawa, in turn, had an enormous effect on modernization, not only in Japan, but throughout the region. And, lending credence to the maxim that there's nothing new under the sun, On Learning relied substantially on a work entitled Elements of Moral Science, published by Brown University President Francis Weyland in the 1830s. The importation was vastly easier than importation from other languages, because Chinese and Japanese share a written script, Hanzi. Kanji in Japanese. Japan had no written language before importing Chinese characters starting around 1600 years ago, and since then, the foundation of written Japanese has been kanji. And because the characters are logograms, carrying image meaning independent of sound, their power for cross language communication has been and remains tremendous. Early attempts to translate directly from, say, English, Trying to use the Chinese hanzi as phonetic representations of the foreign words rapidly created a lexicographic logjam. University was early on rendered phonetically as de, an unwieldy and confusing jumble, with characters bearing no resemblance to the actual meaning of the word. But the vastly simpler dashui, a combination already existing in Chinese, returned to China from the Japanese with a different intuitive meaning. Pronounced Daigaku in Japanese, Dashwe is an example of what scholar Victor Meyer and others refer to as round trip words. The characters for dashui are readily intelligible for Chinese readers, as they translate literally into English as big learning. No surprise then that middle school is rendered Zhongshwe, literally middle learning, while Xiaoshwe became elementary school, literally small learning. Daimo <laughs> Ke was an early, kluji, Chinese phonetic attempt at democracy, which rapidly lost out to the vastly simpler and intuitive Japanese term, minshu, pronounced minzu in Chinese and literally meaning people as primary. And diabetes would have been trouble to import phonetically, but Meiji-era Japan had concocted a much simpler and also highly intuitive option, Tonobyo, or tang yaobing in Chinese which literally translates as sugar urine sickness. The hanzi kanji term for diabetes is arguably better than the European language originals because the meaning is immediately visually available to the reader of either Japanese or Chinese or Korean for that matter but that's a digression. Many of the imported Japanese terms were not substitutes for existing Chinese terms but new words entirely and relatively new concepts as well. Specifically, some of the concepts that Chinese students were learning in Japan, and therefore the vocabulary for those concepts, were Marxist. Two other words to appear in Japan in the 1870s, later to be transported across the East China Sea to the mainland, were Gongshan Zhiyi, or Communism, and Shihui Zhiyi, or Socialism. The Japanese and eventually Chinese for socialism has a literal meaning quite close to the English and other European forms. Shugi in Japanese, Zhuyi in Chinese is a suffix meaning "-ism", while shakai in Japanese, Shihui in Chinese means society. The joint term for communism is a bit more poetic, as the first two characters mean public assets, a compressed version of Marxism's common ownership of the means of production. REVERSE FLOW The linguistic effect on Chinese was profound. In China and Japan, Jansen writes, In the long run, the cultural importance of the migration to Japan was probably greater even than its short-term political significance. The student movement meant a great surge of translation from Japanese. This flood of translation from Japanese affected Chinese vocabulary. There was a massive infusion, amounting to three fourths of the new vocabulary of those decades, of new terminology into Chinese in the form of Chinese character equivalents the Japanese had first worked out for themselves. End quote. Publishing in the Journal of Chinese Linguistics in 2006, Professor Zhao Jian expands quote, More significantly, The Japanese practice of creating new words to accommodate new knowledge influenced native linguistic practice, hastening the formation of modern Chinese. Scholars such as Lei Yi and Wan Bingbing have even claimed that 70% of the most frequently used words in modern Chinese originate in Japanese. From this point of view, we may say that the flowback of Japanese loanwords into modern Chinese was the first significant requital of linguistic favors China received since Japan borrowed the Chinese writing system in the mid-4th century, quote. The concurrent effect specifically on the CCP's foundation and organization should by now be obvious as well. The very name of the party, Zhongguo Gongchangdang, contains the Japanese import Communist Party, Santo in Japanese. Japanese language's influence on China's political lexicon continued even during the years of war with Japan, which started in either 1931 or 1937, depending on which authority one inclines towards, and ended in 1945. During those years, Japanese imports to China included cadre, gambu, organ, jiguan, trade union, laodong zhihe, and the ominous euphemism liquidation. Qing Sun. Unusually for a famous mainland author Guo Moruo survived the nationalist era, the years of war with Japan, the final years of the civil war to 1949, and also the Mao years. Guo, who fancied himself as China's Goethe, but is more like a Chinese version of one of Goethe's most famous characters, Faust, asserted in the 1950s that, quote, "We studied Western culture through Japan." At the same time that the study of Japan broke the feudalistic conventions of the past, it served to further China's progress toward modernity. Quote. Guo could have plausibly replaced Western culture with communism. He and a host of others relied on their Japanese learning and the Japanese lexicon itself for much of the architecture of the Chinese Communist Party.